0: you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. If you are a guest, I want to say welcome. My name is Byron. I get the great honor and privilege to serve as the lead pastor. Welcome to our very merry Redemption Christmas. Hey, can we give it up for the Our Kids Christmas Choir this year? How amazing they were. I'm excited to continue in our study um, where we're calling Vintage Christmas, where we're looking back at the first Christmas, learning some lessons, applying it to our lives, so that way this year can be the best Christmas ever. We are pushing past all of the hustle, and we're focusing on what makes Christmas holy, amen, because this season only has one reason, and what's his name? Jesus Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open up with me to Luke chapter 2 as we continue the Vintage Christmas series. We're going to look at the first Christmas, but before we do that, while you're finding your place, I want you to think about a word that perfectly sums up the Christmas season. You know that at Christmas, we use words that we typically don't use any other time of the year certain words come out in our vocabulary that normally we wouldn't say like jolly. Like if you call someone jolly at christmas time, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a good thing." But if it's august 3rd and I say you're jolly, he was a jolly man, you're like, "That I don't think that's a compliment, right?" <laughs> words like festive or nativity or noel. The other day my daughter Esther, she she said, "Daddy, what's figgy pudding?" and I said, "I have no clue, but it sounds disgusting." What's a partridge and why is it in a pear tree? It took me years to realize that was a bird. I had no clue what that meant. There's certain words that we that we use, like like Carol. What what's a Carol? It's a woman who asks to speak with the manager. No, that's a Karen. That's a Karen. Never mind. That's a carrot. But if you were to think about a certain word. That really sums up Christmas, what word would you choose? Today, I'm going to give you a, a word that describes Christmas. Now, for all of you Scrooges in the room, you're probably thinking of another word. You can't say that word in church, okay? That'll get you on the naughty list. No, we're not going to say that word. We'll open the altars and you can repent after service, but there's a, there's a word that I want to share with you, and it's not a word we typically associate with Christmas, but when the angels showed up over Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and announced the birth of Jesus to those shepherds that were keeping watch over their field by night, it's the word that the angels chose. And it's this word right here, it's the word gospel. Do you know what that word gospel means? It literally means good. News. It is the gospel of the good news that unto us on this day a Savior is born and his name is Jesus Christ our Lord. And so today the message is titled Give Me Some Good News for Christmas. How many of you could go for some good news this Christmas? Amen. Because really Christmas is a, a time of a lot of good things. And most people, that's what they make Christmas all about, stuff and things that fill up our calendars and our schedules and empty our bank accounts. For for most people, Christmas is a time for laughter and lights and family and fairy tales and folklores and sugar plum fairies and all these stories that we make up to have it be more festive. And listen, those things are good things. Giving gifts and presents and having figgy pudding with your family. Those things are good things, minus the figgy pudding. But other than that, those are good things. But listen, Christmas was never meant to be a time of good things. It's always been meant to be a time of good news. And so what we wanna do today is we wanna push back the stuff and we wanna get to the savior. We wanna reject the hustle and get back to the holy. We don't wanna focus on good stuff or good things or good feelings or good vibes. We want to focus on what? The good news. And here's the best part of the good news, you ready? It's not just good, it's better than good, it's true. The gospel is more than good news, it's true news. It's the true news that unto us this day, a savior is born, that Jesus Christ has come into the world to reconcile saints and sinners unto himself. It is the good news, but more than that, it is the true news. Christmas is is not just a time of marketing, but it's a time of miracles. It's not just a time of consumerism. It's a time of consecration. And so we want to push past everything that tries to steal our joy, consume our focus and our attention, where the marketers are trying to tell us to spend money we don't have to buy things that next year our kids won't even remember. When we're shopping on Black Friday and we give them our email and now all of a sudden we have spam accounts just filling just our emails with so much information we have to turn it off. All those things might be good things, but they're not the good news. And Christmas is a time of good news, of great joy. And so what I want to do today is I, I want to give you four reasons to focus and to reflect on Christmas for why it is good news. So if you have your Bible, we're going to open up in the classic Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read it all, and then I'm going to give you four reasons that Christmas is good news, starting in verse 1. In those days. Now, let's pause right there. I promise I'm going to read the whole thing, but in order to understand what we're about to read, we need to set it in the context that it would have first been understood. In those days. What days are these days? It's 2,000 years ago in the middle of nowhere in Jerusalem. It was a place of Roman occupation. The great nation that it once was has now fallen. They've been in exile, basically slaves, living under Roman rule with a tyrannical government, pressing down, taxing them, and enforcing these rules that are upon them. They've lost their land. They've they've lost pretty much everything, living in poverty. But what makes it worse is that For 400 years, God has not spoken to them. The last book of the Bible written was the book of Malachi. And up until all of this, God has spoken to his people through prophets. And then all of a sudden, the last prophecy was given, and the Old Testament was closed. And then God has gone silent. Imagine if you're one of the Jewish people. Has God forgotten us? Has God abandoned us? Have we been forsaken Are we all alone here? It was those days where life was hard, it was tough, it was difficult, it was painful. Have you ever had one of those days? You ever had one of those days where you feel like God is far and God is distant? You ever had one of those days where you feel forgotten, where the the pain is too much, where the heartache and the heartbreak is all too real? You're flooded with the grief. For some people, Christmas is one of those days. It's the end of the year, and you're reflecting back on how nothing is the way that it used to be. Sometimes those days are the worst days. But here is the message of the gospel, that on our worst days, the good news breaks in. And the good news changes everything. It's on the worst days, we need the good news the most, amen? Amen. And it's on those days Christmas matters the most. So, where do we find ourselves at in those days? Let's read the story. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all who went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He was registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, Keeping watch of their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were all filled with great fear, because that's what happens when an angel shows up. It's pretty terrifying, right? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you what's the word? Good news, the gospel of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is Pleased When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go down over to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and Mary and Joseph, they found lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to them this saying that had been told them concerning this child. It would not be any child, it would be the Christ child. God become a man, the fulfillment Of prophecies, God is no longer silent or distant, but God has drawn close. Emmanuel, God with us, that this baby would grow up and he would become the Lord, the King of Kings, the ruler over all, and he would be our savior concerning this child. And all who heard it and wondered at what the shepherds had told them, but but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds they returned. The first Christmas is over. They're glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. In a moment, I'm going to give you some good news. But first, in order for you to appreciate the good news, you have to know that there's also bad news. Don't you hate it when somebody says that to you? Like, I got some good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? I want to punch you in the face first, and then I'll feel better, and you can tell me both. Okay? Okay? Like, I hate it when somebody says, I got good news and bad news. How many of you, you like to hear the good news first? Just give me the good news so I can ignore the rest of what you're about to say. Anybody? Any Good news first? Thank you. One person being, okay, great, awesome. How many of you, like me, you're like, I'm a bad news first person. Bad news first, people, look around the room. Y'all are my people, right? All right, we're going to have an inner healing service starting in January, so you're welcome, Okay. (laughs) Uh, so, so I'm a bad news first person because if you give me the bad news first, I can start trying to fix it or solve the problems. And then you can tell me the good news and I can just walk away feeling a little bit better about myself. But the reality is when it comes to understanding the, the gospel in order to appreciate the good news, first you need to understand the bad news. And here's the reality is that Christmas is not just a time for good news Christmas is also a time for bad news. Let me tell you the bad news of Christmas. The bad news is this, is that God would send his son Jesus to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. That's bad news for us. It's bad news that God would enter into human history, that the creator would come into creation and would be born in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's bad news that the angels announced it to the shepherds who are keeping watch over their field at night. It's, It's bad news what we read on the Christmas story and what we see in the nativity scenes. That's bad news for us. And even worse yet still, the bad news is that Jesus, Jesus, this boy, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, would grow up and he would enter into a public life and ministry. The bad news is that Jesus would reveal the kingdom of God, that he would preach and teach and perform signs and wonders and miracles. It's bad news that he welcomed everybody. It's bad news that he loved the unlovable, forgave the unforgivable, hung out with sinners and tax collectors, prostitutes and leopards, and even welcomed the religious leaders. It's Bad news that he was betrayed by his best friend, he was handed over from religious leaders to the Roman government, and he was sentenced to death. It's bad news that though he was born in a manger, he would die on a cross, though he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, he would be wrapped in spices and grave linens and buried in a tomb. It's bad news that three days later, he would resurrect, conquering Satan, sin, hell, death, and the grave. It's bad news that he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, where he ruled and reigns as king of kings and lord of lords forever and ever. Amen. That's that's bad news. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, Byron, I've been to church before and I know what you just said is not what Christians believe is called bad news, but rather y'all call that the good news. You're like, I, I had to pray in grandma, right? I mean, when I, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I, Maybe some of you, you had a drug problem when you were a kid. Your parents always drug you to church. Anybody? You're like, I know that that's not bad news. That's what you Christians call good news. And you would be right. But but here's the problem. The bad news is not that Jesus came. The bad news is why he came. Why did Jesus come? Here's why. Because we were all sinners. Jesus came because every single one of us who ever lived has sinned and fallen short the glory of God, that you and me, we are not right. We do not live the way that we ought to live. We have done things that we ought not to do. And there is no way that we could ever stand before a just and holy God and receive our own works based upon our own efforts, his goodness and his grace. The the bad news is, is that we are all We are all sinners. This is the beginning and the message that Christmas presents to us. Here's one word that will sum up Christmas it's three letters S I N. Sin sums up Christmas. That's why Jesus came. And I know you didn't come to church on a Christmas service expecting to hear a sermon on sin. It may not be the one you wanted, but God knows it's the one that we all needed because sin perfectly describes the bad news of the world that we live in. Whenever you turn on the TV and you see war and injustice and racism, sexism, violence, plagues and famine, child trafficking, and you wonder, why in the world is it the way that it is? It can be perfectly summed up by by sin. When you look at relationships and divorce and abuse and addiction and depression, and you wonder, why is life the way that it is? It's because of sin. Sin has infected and affected every aspect of our lives and then Christmas comes around and here's what people say. If God was so good, then why is the world so wrong? I can tell you why. It's because of sin. But here's what you got to understand is that Christmas doesn't start in Luke chapter two. Christmas doesn't start with the shepherds and the angels and the wise men. It doesn't start with with Mary and Joseph. It doesn't start with Quinarius issuing a census and taxing the people. That's not where Christmas starts. If you want to know the classic Christmas story, you got to go all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 through 3. Because Christmas doesn't start in Luke 2. It starts in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. It begins with good news of great joy. Let me explain this to you. When God created the world, he said it is good. Everything in it was good. There was no death, there was no disease, there was no famine, there was no poverty, there was no pain, there was no heartache. That's the way God created the world. He said it was good. And then he made Adam and Eve our first parents and then he said they were very good. And they were made to be in relationship with God and with each other. They walked with God in the garden, perfect communion with them. And then together they were naked and there was no shame. They were in relationship with God. And they were in relationship with each other. And God said, this is very good. And he placed him in a garden, and it was called Eden. Do you know what the word Eden in the Hebrew means? Delight. Joy. The beginning of Christmas starts in creation. God created us for good news of great joy. And then you look around, and you're like, what went wrong? Sin. Sin. Our first parents, they rebelled against God. They sinned. They chose self over him. And then there was separation. And then all the world became fractured and fallen and broken and death comes into the world because of sin. And then you and me, inside each and every one of us, there is a sin nature, just like our parents, Adam and Eve, we run from God. But the message of Christmas is that God has run towards us. And that we are, we are sinners bent in towards sin and self. And we bring upon all the problems that we experience in this world because of our sin. It's bad news. The bad news is that every single one of us has fallen and broken. Sinned against God sinned against others, and we've been sinned against ourselves. And then the first Christmas message ever preached was preached in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it's preached by God himself. Looking down at Adam and Eve, after they've been tempted by the serpent to sin, he says that from you, the seed of a woman will come another, and the serpent will bruise his heel, but he shall crush his head. That's what's known as the proto-evangelium, which literally means the first gospel or the beginning of the good news. The bad news, guys, is we are all sinners. But from the very beginning, there has been a proclamation of good news that Jesus is a savior. And so I've got good news for people who love bad news. You ready? Ready? Jesus is our savior. So let me tell you the good news that Jesus is God become a man, entered into human history to live the life you never could live to die the death, the death that we all deserve, and he substitutes this himself in our place for our sins so that through him you might have your sins forgiven and be known as the righteousness of God. The good news is is that God would become a man, that he would be born in a town of Bethlehem to an unwed, poor, single teenage girl wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and that little boy would grow up to become the Lord. The good news is is that he entered into a public ministry welcoming everybody, forgiving anybody, loving the unlovable, that he would preach and teach and reveal the kingdom of God through signs and wonders and miracles so everybody would know who he is. The good news is is that little baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would be hung on a Roman cross, taken from the cross, buried in the grave and the good news is, is that sin could not contain him though the wages of sin is death because he had no sin it could not hold him and three days later he resurrected conquering Satan, sin, hell, death and the grave and though his heel was bruised, he crushed the head of the devil and he rules and reigns for Forevermore victorious as our King of kings, our Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, forevermore. And God's people said, that's the good news. The bad news is we were all sinners. The good news is God doesn't leave us in our sins. He doesn't forsake us nor does he abandon us, but he gets off his throne. Emmanuel, God with us. Sure, we're sinners. But the good news of Christmas is that for unto us on this day, a Savior is born. And so for us as a church, this is why we're doing the Vintage Christmas series, so we can push past the good things and we can center our hearts around the good news of great joy that unto us a Savior is born. So who wants to get some good news today? I got some good news. I talked to a lady the other day, and I was like, are you ready for Christmas? She said, I'm ready for Christmas to be over. (laughs) I said, bah humbug, you need a little hallelujah in you, right? Come to church this Sunday, because she doesn't understand Christmas is good news, because she's just been focusing on a lot of other stuff. And so we're doing vintage Christmas to recalibrate our focus as a church to center on the good news this Christmas, so you can have the best Christmas that you've ever had. And so let's look at four reasons from the text. The first reason is this. It's Christmas is a time of celebration. He says, fear not, the angels say, for behold, I bring to you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. The angel says, fear not. You know why? Because angels are terrifying. say, why would an angel say fear not? The, The real reason is because in the Bible, the number one command is do not be afraid. 365 times in the Bible it says, fear not. Do you know why? Because there's 365 days and there is one thing that you can be afraid of every single day and there is one promise from God that he will be with you. Do not be afraid. Afraid. Why? Because there's so many reasons for us to be afraid. We could be afraid for our families, for our health, for our jobs, for the economy, for the nation, for the world. And then when we think about everything that is going on around us, we could be very afraid. And then when we finally muster up the courage for positivity, the phone rings, and everything in our life changes in just a minute. And we live our lives surrounded by fear and God wants us to remember not to fear but to have faith and to celebrate that even on those days there can still be good news whenever somebody calls me it's very rarely they say i got good news as a pastor especially right i mean most of the time when people call they say hey are you sitting down i got some some bad news like, rarely does somebody call and say, I got good news. Today was amazing. Johnny won the, the soccer tournament. Susie made all A's on her report card. And just want to let you know, keep up the good work. Like, that, that doesn't happen very often, right? Because most of the time, what we do is we focus on the bad news, and we overlook the good news. You know, this is how marketers, they capture your attention, right? The 24-hour news cycle, you ever notice that it's all bad news. You know why? Because if it bleeds, it leads. They captured your attention by getting you to focus on the negative. That's why when you look back over your life in year, you can remember all the bad, but it's really hard for you to remember the good. Why? Because we have a society that is focused on the negative, that is focused on the critical, that we are complaining, but we ain't celebrating very much. And we live in a day that's just like those days. And on those days, what do we need? We need the good news we need good news and it's not just good news but it's good news of what great joy here's what we need to remember is that happiness is temporary but joy is eternal happiness is momentary it's here for a moment and then it's gone it's it's fleeting Happiness is not bad. Joy is better. Happiness depends on your happenstance. The word, the first letter, hap, that literally means luck or fortune or or circumstance. But I need you to know, happiness is circumstantial, but joy is supernatural. Because... Happiness comes from what's around you. Joy comes from what's within you. Happiness comes from the world, but joy comes from the Lord. Happiness is what happens to you, but joy is a gift that God gives to you. It's called joy to the world, not joy from the world, right? Happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. And here's why this matters to you. Because on those days when your happiness is gone, your joy is still there. There because the world can steal your joy, but the, 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 your happiness, but the devil can't steal your joy because on those days, you can still have joy. On the dark days, you can still have joy. On the painful days, you can still have joy because you still got Jesus. They may take our happiness, but they will never take our joy. And for that reason, as Christians, Christmas is a time for us to celebrate that Jesus Christ has come. My sins have been forgiven. My eternity is secure, and I am never alone. Even on those days, I have a reason to celebrate. Amen. It's good news of what? Great joy. Number two, it's a, it's a time of salvation. It says, for unto you on this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Anybody? Okay, now put your hand down because you're a liar, all right? Which doesn't make you... Perfect, it makes you proud. See, the reality is this is that no one is perfect except for Jesus. He's the only one who ever lived that perfect life. And that's actually the meaning of his name. Jesus means Yeshua, our savior. He is the one who saves us from our sins. Now, listen, people will say that all religions basically teach the the same thing. Just be a good person and treat other people right. And that's what all religions say. And they try to do this to make it inclusive and less offensive. That's why they try to change, you know, holidays from Christmas. But if you take Christ out of Christmas, you no longer have Christmas because the message of Christmas is antithetical to the other world religions. I'll show you how. It's because all other world religions, philosophies, and ideologies, they say that you can make your way to God by your good works. That if you work hard enough, try hard enough, if you do all the right things and you try not to do the wrong things at the end of the life, if the good outweigh the bad, then maybe God will let you in. This is how Islam and how, how um, uh, uh, Mormonism and other religions, they, they operate, is that you have to be only saved through your good deeds. Even Eastern religions, like reincarnating, paying off your karmic debts, reliving your life over again to where hopefully in the next life you do better than this one, and then maybe you could achieve oneness with the universe. What is all that? That's all all pride. That's all your works. That's all up to you and what you accomplish on your own. And people say all religions teach the same thing, but the message of Christmas obliterates that because what do we see is that they didn't come to God, but God came and found them. That we don't make our way to God, but rather God has made his way to us. Where does, where does God find them? In the middle of nowhere. In Nazareth, in a town of Bethlehem, going to pay their taxes. The shepherds watching the flocks overnight. Who does God come to? Not the elite, not the special, not the kings, not the proud, the humble. Yeah. Not the people who you would think of, of the good people, but the people Those are the ones who received the message of what? The good news. And here's the good news is you will never be good enough. And so God sent Jesus to be good enough for you. You don't make your way through God, through your good works, your good deeds, your good vibes, or your good times. But we are only saved by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have to make our way to God because Christmas shows us that God has made his way to us. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, or what you've done. God will be with you. He will save you. Salvation only comes from him. Number three, it's a time of reconciliation. It says, glory to God in the highest and on peace among those with whom he is well pleased. That word sin, it literally means separation or distance. It's it's a loss of relationship. Think back to the garden on that first Christmas when Adam and Eve, they sinned. They lost relationship with God. That's why they had to leave the garden. And when God came and found them, he said, he said, He said, what are you doing? And what did Adam say? He said, this woman you gave me, she made me do it. Guys, y'all been trying that since the very beginning. It still don't work today, okay? And all the ladies said, amen. And so what does that cause? Cause a loss of relationship between the two of them. Sin ruins relationships. It'll ruin your relationship with God, but it also ruins your relationship with others. Have you ever had re- sin issues in a relationship? A friendship is a loss of a friendship. In a marriage, if it's not dealt with, it leads to divorce. With parenting, if it's not dealt with, it could cause massive problems within your family, in a work environment. If a sin issue goes unchecked, it creates a toxic workplace to where now people are walking over eggshells and people are quitting their jobs. Because why? Because sin is not being dealt with appropriately. What does sin do? Sin sin destroys. It doesn't just destroy people or lives. It destroys relationships. And so what is the message of Christmas? It says that Jesus came to deal with sin so we can heal from sin. And he has come not to bring pain, but rather he's come to bring what? To bring peace. Peace with those whom he has, well, pleased. What does it mean? It means that the war is over. That the relationship that you and I have with God that is severed has now been mended. It means that the bridge has been built So that way we can be in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. God brings peace on earth through Jesus. With whom? With whom he is well pleased. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. We can have peace on earth. Who can? With those whom he is pleased. Oh, there's a qualifier there. That's interesting, right? What 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 does that mean? It means that God is not pleased with everybody. I know in our society, that's really mean to say, rude. It might not be what you want to hear on a Christmas message. Because what we like to say is this, we're all God's children. It's not in the Bible. The book of Ephesians calls some people children of wrath. Jesus even looks at the religious leaders and says, your father is the devil. See, we like to have this little hallmark sentiment that everybody is God's child or that God is pleased but that's that's not here and here's the reason why God loves everybody God will forgive everybody Here's what the Bible says The Bible says that God desires that none shall perish But yet some people do Why Because forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. God can forgive you, but if you do not accept that forgiveness, then you cannot be reconciled with him. God has extended forgiveness to everybody through Jesus, but only those who accept him shall be forgiven and reconciled back into relationship with God as their father. God is running towards you. Do not run from him. He is calling you to come home. He is calling you today to return. He is calling you today to repent and to be forgiven and to be reconciled back into a relationship with each other. Here's why this is important. Because the good news is not that God will save everyone. That's not good news. That's not what the text says. The good news is that not that God will save everyone because he won't. God desires that none shall perish, but that all will reach repentance. God wants to adopt us into his family so we can be translated from children of wrath to a child of God, to brothers and sisters in the family of God. The gospel is not that God will save everyone, but that God will save anyone, that he will save us. No matter the depths of our depravity, no matter the pride, no matter the sin, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation or where you find yourself in, it doesn't matter your skin color, if you're rich or poor, black, white, Latino, Asian, Democrat, Republican. It doesn't matter if you're a Mac or PC, if you're wearing skinny jeans or cargo shorts, suit and tie, and flip flops, it don't matter. Because God will save anyone. But only those who repent and believe will be those whom with he is well pleased. God has sent his son to forgive you. But the only way you can be reconciled is if you accept him. Which leads to the fourth point. As we close, it's a, it's a time of reflection. The Christmas story comes to an end. And here's what we read. Mary treasured these things in her heart. She began to ponder the, these things in her heart. So the angels disappear. The, the shepherds, they go back to their fields. The manger is a mess. And just like... On Christmas, what do we see? The woman has to stay up and clean everything, right? No, I'm just joking. What we see is this, is that the story zooms back in and focuses on Mary. And what is is Mary doing in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of this moment where she's learned that Jesus will be a A savior, good news of great joy. Unto us a child is born who will be the savior of the world. The angels have gone. The the wise men have not yet come. The, 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 The shepherds, they go back to their fields. What does Mary do when Christmas is over? She pauses. She slows down says so she's treasured these things in her heart. What is she doing? She's, she's reflecting. Yes, Christmas is a time of celebration. It's good news of great joy. Throw a party, eat some figgy pudding. Yes, Christmas is a, is a time of, of salvation. That there is a Savior who is born. Yes, it's a time of reconciliation. With whom God is Pleased. But what's also important is it's a time of reflection. To slow down. To process. To remember. To reflect. To not make Christmas about good stuff. But good news. Because marketers, advertisers... Hallmark they'll sell you a picture of Christmas that isn't the portrait we see in the Bible because Mary didn't have any of those things but she had Jesus and she had all she needed and this is the whole reason we're doing the, the vintage Christmas series is I want you to celebrate I want you to sing to rejoice I want you to have the best Christmas ever But I want your Christmas to spiritually look like that that first Christmas where you're like Mary, treasuring all of these things in your heart. So here's my challenge for us as Christmas approaches. And it's why we did our Very Merry Redemption Christmas early is so we can help you do, do this. Ready? To exchange the hustle for the holy. Slow down. Keep Christ in your Christmas. Don't make it about the things. Make it about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not just about presents, but his presence, God, with us. Keep the holy in the holidays.